This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast. Back again, episode eight. Again, wanting to say in the studio, even though we're not in the studio, so I'll get that out of my head. Appreciate everyone that's been listening thus far on all your major podcast platforms. Apple Music, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, what have you. Really appreciate everyone listening, dropping a review, dropping likes, shouting us out via text. And, uh, you know, I, before I bring Brandon on, it was, it was cool. I got, I got, a, went to my barber, Kevin, uh, the other day and was sitting there and he just, you know, as, as a good barber does getting personal with his clients, he goes, you know, how's the podcast going? And I'm like, Hey man, podcast is going great. Really, really appreciate that. It's going good. Really enjoying doing the sports talk thing. Cause it's just, it's just something I love to do. Just so much watching sports. Would love to get my thoughts out there, so I love doing this. Always have, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, you know." And, and th- my Kevin, I'll tell you what, he is a big podcast guy, and he, he, you know, ends ends up saying, "Yeah, that's awesome, man." You know, I I actually fall asleep to podcasts of various kinds every single night. Like every single night, you know, I fall asleep to The Office or Parks and Recreation. He's falling asleep to podcasts, and he goes, "Yeah," and. Uh, you know, sometimes I wake up to your voice. <laughs> I get a good laugh out of it. And then he goes, uh, actually, all the time, <laughs> I'm waking up to your voice. So shout out to my barber, Kevin, for, uh, you know, showing some love to the show. Uh, now, hey, Brandon, welcome back. Good to be back in the show again. And, uh, um, you know, looking forward to another great podcast. How you doing? Today? How you doing today? Not too bad, man. Uh, today was a day where looking at the slate of sports, we had a lot of local teams in play college basketball galore and i was like super excited for the evening started kind of looking at what plays i wanted and it went south fast to where about like 6 45 i was already done with the sports night and i'll give you a quick example of it um boston bruins pittsburgh penguins i took the um no goals in first 10 minutes um if you haven't taken one of those bets whether it's yes goals no goals One of the more electric bets you can take. And um, I took the under, and they're generally at plus money, but it was only plus 115. The total, the game total was at six. Boston, you know, kind of generally a little bit slower pace. Um, And when you have two good teams like that, it's always kind of like a toss up, like, you know, are the top lines going to be really running and gunning, or is it going to be kind of like a slug fest? So it took the no goals first 10 minutes, and within 10 minutes, they scored five goals. So uh, that's how my night started, and it pretty much kind of carried on through. Luckily, had the avalanche to kind of bring me back to life, took them live going to OT. But, uh, you know, it's it's better if you're going to be wrong, you might as well be wrong. Like, you don't want to, you know, barely lose a bet. If you're going to be wrong, might as well just be dead wrong about it. And boy, was I. I hate to bring up old wounds, but you're 100% right. When I always, I, my example is always Super Bowl 48. I would rather lose by that many points than lose by a game losing field goal, knowing that I was right there. And sure enough, what did we see from Denver? They knew exactly where the holes were because of how bad that was, and they fixed it. Two years later, they brought home a ring themselves in the using the same similar model uh, defensively as as that Super Bowl 48 Seahawks team did. So no, 100%. If you're gonna lose a bet. I saw the score in the third period. I didn't realize five goals. And you're a guy, as far as I know, Brandon, you're a guy that takes the yes goals 
in the first 10 minutes. You're a guy that gets real hyped up over that. To hear that, that you took the no goals and it proceeded to give you five goals in return, that is uh, the NHL betting gods slapping you in the face. Yeah, it was something where I you know, kind of went out of my comfort zone, kind of <laughs> liked the spot, and um, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, hopefully the uh, – and do you do you have the Nuggets are playing the Warriors right now? It's in the middle of the third quarter. Do you have the Nuggets? I do. And then we have uh, – we got MPJ over two and a half. Um, our buddy Nick Gregory, shout out to Ginger Bear. He's uh, out of town right now, and so he put together, I think, MPJ um, threes as well. And then I uh, can't remember someone's rebounds in there too. So kind of tailed him on that MPJ two-and-a-half three. So we'll see if we can get some back on the late night here. But it was it was a rough start to the evening, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, the Buffalo is not looking good. I don't know what that final ended at tonight, but uh, my goodness – did you know? I not expect you know. I get it. Top ten Arizona on the road, losing your two top top guys. You know, top starters, not necessarily top guys. I mean, they are, but they're probably think, two out of the top three. Yeah, exactly. KJ, that's, that's, Kristen and then Cody. Right, exactly. And then you go in and and you know ends up being a forty-seven point loss for well, the it, Buffaloes. I mean. It's one that you just got to forget about and move on. Yeah, no, and I mean, Arizona coming off a loss to Stanford, you know, they were they were real upset trying to prove a point. Definitely worst case for the Buffs. I mean, it was something where at halftime, it's like, just call the dogs off because, yeah, nothing good's going to come of it. Burn the film type of thing, and, yeah, just forget about it. Hopefully, when Arizona comes to Boulder, hopefully we'll have the full squad and we kind of get a little bit you know, better of a gauge on, on where we stand, but still feel confident, you know, in regards to the rest of the PAC 12, like, you know, we handled Washington state and Washington granted at home, but you know, that was also without TDS and Cody. Um, and again, no one else really in the PAC 12 has looked overly impressive. So still feel good about it. I think obviously Arizona is the team to beat. I expect them to make a huge run in March. Um, uh, but yeah, bad bad spot for the Buffaloes. I think we'll chalk that one up as a scheduling loss. That's what we'll do. We'll just go ahead and just that's how Tad can swing it. Just <laughs> scheduling loss. Scheduling loss. That's the first I've heard that one. I like that one. Uh so yeah, yeah good good luck on the uh on on the Denver Nuggets bets. Yeah, I I got it on here. So maybe at the end of this show we'll have a little update on how this turned out for you. And for the Denver Nuggets, right now I think they're down six to the Warriors. It's been a pretty Back and forth game. The Nuggets have led most of the game, but uh, now we're kind of shifting in the other direction here. I took the Warriors tonight uh, purely as a re- as a referee play. I'm taking it as a referee play. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr shouting out after the Christmas Day loss. 18 for 18, Nikola Jokic. Uh, probably for the first time in his career getting calls going his way, and Steve Kerr did not like that at all and made a point about it. And here we go with the rematch in Golden State, or in San Francisco no less. And uh, I, that's kind of that's kind of the way I took. So uh, right now, looking good. We'll see how it ends up going. NBA swing, 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 swing. So staying on the NBA, Brandon. I had no idea, and and chalk me up as a dummy. I had really had no idea that the Timberwolves have been riding the one seed for weeks, maybe even months. 
didn't realize it. Are they going even less under the radar than the Denver Nuggets did last year? I mean, this is unbelievable. Now, I don't think the Minnesota Timberwolves are a championship contender. You can put a gun to my head, and I will still not say that they're a championship contender. But, my, I mean, am I, am I just oblivious and just not paying attention? I feel like they've gone under the radar as a number one seed, and they've been there for a minute. Yeah, I mean it's it's been interesting because most of the coverage has gone towards the Thunder, and I think that's a lot, you know, due to SGA and Chet, and they have a really exciting young core, who's you know I think that team if they can keep that core together in a couple of years could be something special because NBA generally you know you you always have those stages where you make the playoffs, maybe get bounced first round, then next year second rounder you know, maybe second year or second round first year than conference finals. But it's it's very rare that you see just a team just come up and win it all. So we'll see what the Thunder end up doing this year. But yeah, it's it's interesting how, you know, the Timberwolves haven't got a lot of looks and haven't gotten a lot of media attention. Um I agree. I don't think they're any sort I mean, if the Nuggets have to play Minnesota in the Western Conference finals, sign me up for that. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, no, ag- agreed. I think it's one of those things where, you know, with the way the NBA does with, you know, TV spots and everything, it's, it's tough to kind of keep track of teams that aren't on TV all that often. And unless if you're checking scores every night on whatever app you use, um, it's tough to keep up with them. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I couldn't tell you if it's because of Anthony Edwards or if it's, cat that's playing so well i don't know all i know is i'm not worried about him i will say this you know carl anthony towns he i wouldn't say he's the most underrated but i think he's an underrated player i think he's better than people think i think if he uh just talks to his normal voice 100 percent of the time i think that might help his cause a little bit i don't know i mean the dude just not helping himself there but again they're not pretty they're not social media hyphy uh ant Big fan of Anthony Edwards. Was a fan when he was at Georgia for that season. He completely went off. Ended up going number one overall. Just a re- really athletic and a, and a high ceiling for him, I think. I think he's still got room to improve. Uh, you know, And the athleticism is through the roof. I think he he's able to put it all kind of together. Is that going to pan out into something for that franchise? I don't think so. I When I look at these kinds of things, I just think culture. And, like, I just don't feel like they didn't do anything with KG. And now they're trying to stack, quote-unquote, stack their team with Gobert and Cat and Mike Conley even. And an old Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards. I just don't. I'm not worried about it. Now that they've been the number one seed for a while, does that say anything in the NBA? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm very curious to see how this pans out. But the Timbo, I mean, that was the one thing I noticed. Looking at the standings today, figured we'd talk some NBA. And I'm like, the Timberwolves? And then I kind of looked back a little bit at their record, and they've been there for a minute. So, you know, I guess shout out to the Timberwolves. But I agree with you, Brandon. I don't see them really doing anything in the playoffs. I don't see them as a threat. The next kind of, you know, we were talking about the Nuggets real quick. We can stay on the Nuggets. They've been an incredible team at 24 and 11, following up their championship season. They've just quietly been doing what they've been doing. And, you know, health is coming the way a little bit with Jamal Murray getting hurt for a minute there. 
losing Aaron Gordon for a couple games. But this team is so built so well, even with the losses that they had in free with Jeff Green, Ish Smith, and and some of those guys that they that they lost. Those were those were important pieces as they were to a, as they ended up winning the championship. But the Nuggets are quietly twenty four and eleven, dominating at the, the three seed. I know they lost to OKC pretty handily. I know that they might be right now losing to the Warriors. I get that they're not the number one seed to the Timberwolves. But they're the defending champs. They haven't made many changes to the team. This team knows what it takes to get there and to compete and to win and to make it happen. I don't think, I think they're right where they need to be. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think that's, it's something where, you know, kind of par for the course that they don't get a lot of attention. You know, it's always been something that the, you know, Nuggets Nation has been able to gripe over. It's just like, why does no one ever pay attention to us or give us the credit that you know we de- we think we deserve? And after last year, I think you know it's pretty clear that this team does deserve attention and does deserve respect. But um, yeah, I, I I mean I think we're two games back on the T Wolves, one game back of the Thunder for the two seed. Um, obviously, a lot of basketball left to be played, and yeah, like you said, we had to go without Jamal for a, a good stint there. And, you know, if this team can stay healthy, I think it's something where, um, you know, they're still due to make a run. Anytime you have Jokic on the court, you, that team can pretty much do anything you want. Because I don't necessarily believe that a one seed is necessarily, you know, required to make a deep run. Obviously, it helps. But again, it's like if the Nuggets have to go to a Minnesota and this is just assuming let's just go by seeds because, again, I don't think Minnesota's going to be there deep. I don't necessarily think the Thunder can be there deep because they're so young. Now, I'd rather play in Minnesota rather than OKC because that place gets bonkers. Um, that crowd's always been amazing. But, you know, yeah, I don't I don't think the one seed's necessarily required. But, yeah, so far in the season, after a long postseason run, defending a title, yeah, I mean, you, you'd love to have the three seed just a couple games back. It's... It's almost something where if we had the sixth seed, you could even kind of talk yourself into, hey, we're still okay because we had this long run. We lost a lot of role guys, important role guys. Bruce Brown, you mentioned a few as well. Um, And, you know, you could still talk yourself into like, we're fine. We got time. Just get us into the dance. But, yeah, no, I I think this team's just kind of doing their thing night in, night out, kind of taking care of business. Hopefully they can make a run here to close out the game against the Warriors. But, um, I think that team gets it. Like I said, with the NBA, if you have a core group of guys that have been there and done that, they kind of understand. And, you know, I don't think flipping the switch, you know, is a term that necessarily works all the time because you've seen multiple examples of that not working with the Clippers and Kawhi and Paul George and, you know, maybe even the Lakers sometimes or any team that LeBron's on. Um, it, that flip the switch thing is tough. And so I don't think that this team has that mentality. Again, I think they just night in, night out go. And, um, there's a lot of young guys getting a lot of good time. Peyton Watson seems like he's kind of taking that next step to hopefully, you know, he can contribute down the stretch. Um, MPJ still seems like, you know, he's could be a number one on another team. So we'll see. But yeah, no, I, I don't think if you're the Nuggets, you should be worried at all. Right now, the way it stands, the Nuggets are one game back of the Timberwolves. Uh, OKC is also a game back. 
but they are one loss uh, ahead in the in the in the loss column. So OKC's got ten losses, Denver's got eleven losses, but they're both one game back of Minnesota. So it goes Minnesota, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, Los Angeles, Clippers, Kings, New Orleans in the top six. And in the play-in tournament, we have the Dallas Mavericks in the seven, Houston in the eight. A little surprise there. Phoenix Suns in the nine, Lakers in the ten, and the Warriors first team out as the eleven seed in the West. I thought the Lakers hung a banner. What? They're in the what seat? I thought they hung a banner. I thought they'd be up somewhere up top. What did Shaq? Are they not it? doing well? They they threw a flag. They threw they threw they they threw up a flag. They threw up a a wing okay. flag. Okay. You know, is that it, okay. it's, it looks a little different than the banners? Oh my god! I this it's it's so it's so funny how bad the Lakers have been since the play in uh, or oh, this in season tournament. In their last ten, they're two and eight. They've lost three in a row. They. Lost to the San Antonio Spurs in this stretch. They're losing at home. They're not even competing against teams that you expect to be good matchups. They lost by double digits to the Miami Heat last night. Just to, to a guy, just to a guy that got drafted one pick after you, who went to UCLA. So you know the drafting thing for the Lakers, I think, is something that we don't talk enough about. It's completely atrocious, and they don't know what they're doing on the drafting side of things. They just they've blown drafts. Whatever pick they have, D'Angelo Russell, Lonzo Ball on the top end, and then some of these guys that they pick up in the late first round and the second round, it hasn't really turned out in these last 10, 15 years, and I don't know what they're doing. Nonetheless, 2-8, and eight, absolutely atrocious. If you haven't heard what Gilbert Arenas has said about the team recently, go check that out because that is a great way to put it. You get these guys in Cam Reddish and Torian Prince who are supposed to help on the scoring end, and they're throwing up bricks. LeBron James is still the best player on this team, which is not the expectation that the Lakers wanted or the fans wanted up until this point to his career, but he's having to do it, and the only reason that they even have 17 wins is because of LeBron James. Like He is the only one going out there performing, playing hard, and not even playing hard, playing well. And he's put, and he's the oldest guy out there. He's the oldest guy in the league, and he and he's been doing this for however long he's been doing it. And it's like when is when is the, when are the guys going to start stepping up a little bit and have a little oomph? And then you also have some tension happening, according to Shams, which Shams knows what he's talking about these days. Shams, not you know, whoa, you have Woj bombs and Shams bombs. So Shams saying that the Lakers and Darwin Ham aren't really seeing eye to eye, no kidding, because of his rotational things. And I'm like, I don't care what you're doing with rotation. It's this roster. This roster ain't it. On paper at beginning, yeah, it looked great. These guys are shooters. They can make shots. But for some reason, whenever guys that are shooters come to L.A., they end up not being able to shoot well anymore. And it's pretty ugly to see. And then you have and they're two and eight, the seven, 17 and 18. And the only thing that's keeping them maybe a, a, a little bit above water is the fact that the Golden State Warriors are worse than them right now. So that kind of helps things. The Lakers, to, but the, the Lakers are the Lakers. They're the biggest brand. No matter how many championships the Golden State Warriors wins, the Lakers will always be that brand in California, let alone the West Western Conference. And so... They will always have the microscope on them. It's completely ugly. It's atrocious. It's it's just not good basketball. And then Anthony Davis, I'm tired of people giving him this, this accolades like he's done anything in his career. He's been hurt, and he takes time off when he wants to because he's this big body, lanky guy. I mean, there's, there's dudes like that everywhere, bro, and you're actually falling behind 
all those guys out there getting paid 60 something million dollars a year. So, uh, you know, the Lakers need to make something happen at the trade deadline or something because this season's going downhill and it's going downhill fast. What are your thoughts on the Clippers? Cause that's a team that seems like they're kind of finding a little bit of a rhythm with, you know, James Harden, I guess essentially he'd probably be the third guy to where it seems like that, you know, might be his more comfortable role, but that team, that team's kind of starting to gel a little bit where, you know, a first round matchup with them. I don't know if I necessarily love that again with them. You always have the wild card of health, you know, but it seems like Kawhi and PG are, are healthy, which you'd hope so. Cause they've taken off like the last six years. So Welcome back to the league, but I'll agree with you on the first round thing. Again, I, you know, another another red flag for me is not only injuries; it's it's history, and you know what has the Clippers ever done in their history? They've had better seasons than this with with similar rosters. I wouldn't say silly better rosters. You know, with with the Chris Pauls, Blake Griffins, and DeAndre Jordans in their prime, that was a, that was an exciting team, a good team nonetheless. They were top half of the Western Conference, uh, top eight top half of the top eight of the Western Conference for many years, but they could never get over that hump because of, as aforementioned, the Golden State Warriors. So now, I mean, you you, you, you would think they would take that little turn the corner and make it to a Western Conference Finals at, at the very least because that's kind of been their goal. I don't think they've even made it to a Western Conference Finals. Now they're, you know, they're doing their thing. You know, they have also never retired a jersey in their franchise history. There's no banners, and now they're building a new stadium, which is supposed to be really dope. But you know, now they're getting out of the Staples Center and building their own thing. And so I think the ownership and the direction of the team has gone in the right way. But they're gonna have to show me before I buy into them. I'm not just gonna be, I, you know, there's some things I'll jump into. But in terms of that one, I'm not really going to jump into being the first guy to be like, yeah, this is the Clippers' year. Like they're going to have to definitely show it to me beforehand. And when I look at the rest of the rest of the conference, I mean, I put them up there in the Timberwolves category. Is like, all right, you know, you're good, but I don't think you're really going to go far. I think this Thunder team is a force to be reckoned with. I know this is their first year in in the in this attention realm and in the top of the Western Conference, but they've been pretty decent. And making some noise for a while. I think Chet has made a big impact on this team, six, team success recently. They've had SGA. They've had Lou Dort. They've had Josh Giddy. They've had these guys on their roster for a few years. And they've, they've actually gelled pretty well for a while. I compare them to the Houston Rockets, but with a better chemistry sort of thing. Because the Houston Rockets have had their youth uh, you know, together for a couple years now, and here we are in maybe year three or four, and they're, you know, in an eight spot right now, only two and a half back of a six seed. So, you know, the Houston Rockets surprising people a little bit. I put the Clippers right there with the Timberwolves of like, you're a fraud to me still. Hate to say it. You know, I'll be the first one to say the Lakers are the biggest stinker in Los Angeles right now. But if you're talking about championship aspirations for the LA Clippers, I, I just, I don't see them going past the Denver Nuggets. I don't see him going past the Thunder, uh, and I don't really see him going past a healthy Phoenix Suns or Dallas Mavericks. The Phoenix Suns is an interesting point because I don't know if they'll ever be healthy. And <laughs> sounds like KD's already upset. Do you think the Clippers are getting extra motivation looking up in the rafters and seeing that new banner that the Lakers 
hung up there? Is that something, you know, a little bit extra juice? I don't know how much other juice banners? they need after all these years. I'm just like, how much more juice they need? Like, you know, when you see one more banner go up, dude, that can kind of get the boys going. So 17 ain't enough. We need, we need the yeah. 18th fake banner to go up for us to really kick it into gear. Like I said, they've done this years past. I just, I'm like, you know, I like PG. I don't like James Harden. I think Kawhi is just kind of, I don't know. I just, I don't, I think he's a great player. I don't necessarily respect how he goes about the game, but, you know, he's a great player. I love Ty Lue. I'll give that. I love Ty Lue. So, I think well, they're, they're so solid. Ty, I don't see them going far. Ty Lue's, Ty Lue's, you know, I think, I think some people are probably, you know, maybe not as high on him as they should be considering, you know, I think he's kind of, that LeBron championship kind of, you know, everyone just sure. kind of look at maybe he wasn't a big part of it. But, sure. you know, if he's a motivational guy, you come into work the next day and that locker room smells like champagne, you know, from the night before of the Lakers partying up and celebrating. I think you say, hey, guys, like you like that smell of champagne? Let's use that. So, I, you know, it, it could have been maybe, you know, maybe the Lakers are the ones that push the Clippers over the top. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'll stop ragging on that, the plane. I think we've moved on from that. It's that's too far gone now but uh yeah the k the kd phoenix suns i don't know that's one of those things where i don't think we'll ever really get a read on it until the playoffs and figure out what their lineup is and then you have the discussion of did this lineup play with each other enough you know to gel and actually put something together i don't know but uh yeah it's a weird it's a weird western conference right now with you know, I, I like you said, the Timberwolves kind of being a shock at the number one, and um, it just kind of seems like there's a lot of wait and see type of things going on with it. Yeah, you don't have the big brands up top. You know, you got San Antonio running up the bottom. You got Golden State not even in the playoffs right now. You have the Lakers in the 10th seed. You know, the Dallas Mavericks are in the 7th seed. The only kind of big brand right now are the Denver Nuggets, who isn't even a big brand. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of it's, – it's a very interesting Western Conference right now, and so much still up in the air – uh, for teams that, you know, can take the number one seed and also teams that, you know, might not even make the playoffs as the Lakers are very much in danger of of even having a chance at even a play-in tournament for the playoffs. So uh, lots to go. We have six to seven more games before we reach the 41 mark, which Brandon and I will go over midseason awards when we reach the actual midseason mark of the NBA, not the all-star break because we're about two thirds of the way through the season when the all-star break happens. So we're about 35 games in when we get to six, when we get to 41 more, uh, give or take a couple, we'll give you our mid season awards for the NBA. Cause I think there's some interesting ones to go through, uh, in that one. Uh, we're going to move on here to the next, uh, next piece of information. One thing, you know, before we dive into the, the to the NFL talk, you know, how about, Tyreek Hill's house going on fire because a six-year-old uh, was playing with a lighter inside the house. Is is there something more to this than we than just everyone's okay? Yeah, I think that's the main you know main priority. Is everyone was safe. You know, at that point, which thank goodness, Tyreke but like can, now the six yo absolutely got the lighter. you know, and Tyreek can get whatever items were destroyed or whatever you know at that point. Not really worried about that. Yeah, glad everyone's safe. But yeah, not ideal, right? As a having a small infant running around there with a lighter, not 
not good. Now, did you see, was there a report that like what he lit on fire with the lighter? I'd be kind of curious. No, in the report, it just says that, and they didn't provide the age of the child, so six-year-old is not accurate at all, so I have no idea how old the kid is. I think I related to I just looked with that. I was like, yeah, six-year-old? Well, yeah, should be around a lighter. What I related it to was because the house is $6.9 million, so I kind of went with the six that I saw and kind of ran with it. Um, so yes, I think we run with a six year old. Let's just, let's run with it. <laughs> so the, you heard it here first, the amount of damage caused was not provided and said, and, and then, and the, uh, I think it's the, the fire marshal, Robert Taylor. And this is according to the, uh, the, uh, four letter network, the fire marshal, Robert Taylor, uh, said that the investigation is now closed. So, all right. So, I guess we won't probably find out more. We could just speculate wildly and go nuts with what we. Well, think. we already kind of have saying a six-year-old started the fire. Well, so said, I think you said, double down on it. Well, they said that it was started by a child playing with a cigarette lighter in a bedroom. So okay. I'm thinking a lamp or like a drape. Is kind of what I'm gonna guess. Start it. I'm gonna guess a, a pillow cover. You know something? I'm trying to think of a six point nine million dollar home, and I feel like very expensive, highly flammable drapes would be in a six point nine million dollar home. Yeah, no, now, I'm sure that. there are pillow covers as well. I would imagine those folks are using pillow covers. Yeah, I did see a, a clip. I think it was of the helicopter kind of over the house. Um, Tyreek did not seem happy with his new wife. He seemed to be kind of <laughs> yelling at her because I think it all happened while he was at practice. But, um, yeah, he seemed to be kind of, you know, maybe just kind of letting her know how he felt about the situation while they were on the sidewalk, just watching the fire department put out their house. But yeah, thankfully everyone's safe. You know, again, at that point, He's got enough money to buy whatever they need or fix whatever they need. So, could you have a, is that, does insurance cover that? Oh, yeah. Big time. Well, actually, that's a good point. Neglect. I don't know. Neglect. I, I'm, sh I like maybe the insurance that I would buy might <laughs> not cover that. I'm sure Tyreek has access to a little bit, um, more intricate insurance than me and you. So, that that's above my pay grade. I don't know what kind of insurance you know he might have to where, maybe everything's just like you know, you could take a bottle of, uh, gasoline and light it on fire and you're still covered. I don't know. I will say this about some articles that are written, and it really just, it really cracks me up with, kind of like the subject line that we're talking about and how they always have to finish with this information. So we're talking about a house that caught on fire, by a child with a lighter. Pretty dangerous stuff, pretty serious stuff. And you know, it's very thankful that the the family's okay and, and that no one was hurt and no pets were hurt, nothing like that happened. So, you know, very grateful for that and, and for everyone involved. So we're talking about a fire though, which is very dangerous, very serious, very, very scary, harrowing, 
things that are ha- happening. And then at the very end of the article, they have to throw in um, some information about Tyreek Hill in a season and goes, you know, Hill is currently the NFL's leader in receiving yards with 1,717 yards. He's the only NFL player in history to record at least 1,700 yards in multiple season. And he's hoping to lead the Miami Dolphins to a win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night, a victory that would clinch the AFC East for Miami for the first time since 2008. Thank God. I mean, I was so worried about Tyreek Hill's stats and all. I'm like, I just sometimes wonder, is that necessary? Especially on the Four Letter Network's website. Like, is anyone looking at it on the Four Letter Network and not really understanding who Tyreek Hill? Or just say simply at the beginning, which I believe they said in the first sentence, a fire at the $6.9 million home owned by Miami Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill. It's all you really have to say about who the guy is. I don't think we need to end the article with his statistics, right? Yeah. Do we care less if he's only, you know, had <laughs> 600 receiving yards and three touchdowns? Are we like, eh, let it burn? Some, maybe some Miami fans might be like that. I don't know. Well, I don't, do I care more because he is the first person in history to have 17 yards, uh, 1,700 yards in, in multiple seasons? Like, I should really care about this guy? Like, come on, guys. Like, his house caught on fire. Like, let's just, like, drop the statistics for four seconds and just <laughs> chill. <laughs> it's, just, it's really funny as I read through these articles is – is uh, it's funny how they write these things, but hey, I'm not a writer, so it's not my job. So maybe it's not my place to talk. A lot of speculating here, Brandon. I don't know. We might be might be in trouble. You know, last last episode with the comeback player of the year. Now we got house fires. I mean, we're we're on we're trending in a, in a direction. I don't know. We want to be trending in. Any press is good press, baby. <laughs> Any press is good press. So. In that NFL realm of discussion, the Miami Dolphins do have a big game against the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East. But as we mentioned in our last episode, we got our picks for Week 18. A big Week 18 coming up. A lot of implications. Twenty. This is crazy. 20 teams technically have a shot to make the playoffs still in the NFL. 20 out of the 32. That means there are potentially 20 teams that could win the Super Bowl this year based off of what can happen in week 18. So you got 20 teams. This is the first time or this is the most amount of teams going into the last week that have that has had an opportunity to make the playoffs in 41 seasons. So it's been a while since we've had this much chaos in the last week of the regular season in the NFL. Nonetheless, we're coming in here with our picks. Brandon's got three. I've got three. We are seven, three, and one thus far in our first 11 picks on the Two Guys Talking podcast. And we're going to try and keep this rolling with our NFL picks for week 18 and a bonus Monday night college football national championship pick from each of us coming as well. So if you haven't tailed already, you know, go ahead and tail. This is not gambling advice but you know if you want to follow along we like to know that we like to think that we know what we're talking about so hopefully we can win you some coin nfl week 18 brandon what is your first pick for the weekend so first one i have is the titans jaguars under 41 and a half the titans have looked horrific and i don't think they'll be able to score the Jags 
still haven't really like found that stride that they had earlier in the season. I think it's going to be one of those just gross games to where Vrabel's going to do anything he can to keep Trevor Lawrence, you know, under wraps. And again, I I don't think the Titans can score. I I know the Jags defense isn't necessarily anything to write home about, but I think that's one of those divisional end of season games, like where you're looking at a 13 to seven type of final. I mean, we got if 13 seven, we got extra room with the 41 and a half, but that just seems like one of those games that there's going to be no offense and just one of those ugly games to even try to watch. Yeah, I don't see that game being much fun at all unless, you know, you have the under and that's probably what's going to how it's going to turn out. I wonder how weather's going to be too. You never I mean there could be a lot of wind and rain and in the in this time of year in those areas. Is is the game in Jacksonville? It's in Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. So, yeah, I I I I I like that pick. Uh, for my first pick of the weekend, we're going to go to Saturday night. We're going to start there with the Houston Texans covering one point, minus one, against the Indianapolis Colts on the road and clinching a playoff spot uh, while doing so. I think the Houston Texans getting C.J. Stroud back, the way they played the last couple weeks, even though they lost to the Cleveland Browns, they are catching a stride. They are a team to watch here in the future. I think... I'm going by quarterback here. I'm going by coach here. I know some might say Shane Steichen is is, is a, has a better better year than D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. We talked about this in our last episode, so about about our uh, NFL awards, and we got into coach of the year, and and I think D'Amico Ryan's is 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 far better than uh, Shane Steichen, even just in their first years coaching, but. What this team has done, I think they are actually a fluid. They look like a veteran team out there with a lot of young guys on the field. I think the Texans cover minus one and get that playoff spot in Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think we both talked about how we were kind of leaning Texans in that game last episode anyway. So, yeah, I like that. Second pick for Brandon. Second pick, we got the Bears-Packers over. So, What's you know, kind of touched. That's a great question, buddy. What did I have it at? <laughs> just uh, over. 45. I'm feeling it over. I just want to. It doesn't matter what number they throw at you. Take the over. That's how bad the Packers defense is. Um, no. So it's at 45 right now. And, um, you know, we kind of hinted on it where the Packers are in a similar position to what they were last year um, to where divisional teams coming into Lambeau with an opportunity to just kind of play spoiler. The Packers defense has not looked good at all. The Bears kind of seem like, you know, Justin Phil Justin Fields is, you know, he seems to go on these runs where he looks like he might be the guy. And then, you know, it's one of those things where he hasn't been consistent enough to where I think you can truly feel good about it. But it seems like the Bears are kind of clicking on offense. A lot of it's just that I don't think the Packers defense is good at all. So they're going to have to continue to push the ball and continue to score um, to do that. And so 45 seems like it, it's a pretty good number. I mean, if you just look at what the Packers defense did against the Vikings on New Year's Eve, they can't stop a nosebleed, man. I think it's going to be something where they're going to have to try to score at least 24 to win this game. So that'll put us there. I think that game is going to be surprisingly a lot of fun. I think that one's going to be a fun game. Unlike the Tennessee-Jacksonville game, I think the Bears-Packers game 
is going to be a lot of fun. Two couple mediocre teams the Packers do have are fighting for a playoff spot. Big, big rivalry, big division rivalry game. I think Justin Fields, like you said, catching a stride. Jordan Love, we'll see what we get. Defenses, I think, on both sides are uh, definitely the Packers are way worse than the Bears' defense. But young, uh, inexperienced defenses, I, I think they're going to be throwing the ball around. I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, the Jordan Love thing is the only part that kind of concerns me because, again, he's a guy that, you know, week in, week out, you don't really get the same thing. So hopefully we get his best game. It, it's one that matters, so it's going to be important for his uh, career and his uh, longevity that that uh, he has a good game, I guess, regardless of the result. We talked about this before. The Packers had the same situation last season in Lambeau, lost to the Lions. So interested to see how it works out with the Bears this season. Speaking of the Lions, that's my next pick. I'm taking the Lions minus three. That is a hammer job by me. That is definitely uh, one that I'm really looking forward to. And I'm going to get analytical with you, Brandon. I'm going to get st- statistical. With you, all right? Dan Campbell. Let's get weird. Dan Campbell, in his career, is 38-24 and 24 against the spread. And wow. out, out of 115 coaches who have coached at least 50 games under their belt, and this is since 1990, Campbell has the best against the spread win percentage. Good also, teams win, great teams cover. Also... After the last three seasons, the Lions are the best against the spread team. 38 Love it. and 34 and 16. So, and and the only other, the, the, this is the best three years stretched since the Patriots did it back in 2016 to 2018. So, uh, they had a pretty good quarterback back then covering a lot of game wow. during those years. So, that's my statistical analytical side of taking the Lions and hammering it. Now, my my instinct and my eye test says Dan Campbell is angry. Dan Campbell is pissed off. Dan Campbell doesn't like losing regardless of what the game means. We just mentioned what they did in Lambeau Field last season when the game didn't matter at all. He'll, he he will, might treat this game like the Super Bowl. Who knows? But he very well might treat this game like the Super Bowl. They're playing the Minnesota Vikings, which is the last thing I didn't mention. At home in Detroit, going into a, a playoff game very shortly after that. The Lions, I don't see how they don't cover. This game is a hungry, I'm pissed off, we're going to play with aggression, and we're going to hunt. And I see the Lions covering three points at home in an anger game. And with those analytics, take it how you wish. Yeah, I I think even just mentioning the Vikings, I think you could skip all the analytics and say, (laughs) yep, love it. Yeah, I mean, Vikings made Jordan Love look like Tom Brady out there so um yeah not you know vikings on the road they're not a team that even if they're wanting to play spoiler for any reason that they even could so at this point in their season i think they gotta finish they're trying to finish up the season they're making dinner plans and vacation plans and they're they're out the house so that's my second pick of the week lions minus three against the vikings brandon your final pick of the nfl weekend I'm um, going Bills minus two and a half Ooh. against the Dolphins in Miami. So the Bills uh, I winning think this the division. Actually, I think this will actually get to Bills minus three. So that's why I love that it's two and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Vi- or not the Vikings. The Dolphins just seem so fraudulent. I think we mentioned it a couple different times. Um, and again, the Bills 
They've had their backs against the wall for a while now. And again, depending on how the day goes, we, we kind of mentioned it, you know, the Bills might have a lose and still be in the playoff situation. Um, but I think they're going to go into Miami and I think they're going to win that game. And like I said, I love that I can get it for less than a field goal. So Bills two and a half, book it. After what you said, I think you're right. And the fact, and I'm, and I would be shocked to to hear if the Bills didn't know that if they lost, they could potentially not make the playoffs. So just win, and you know, and you're good. The game is in Buffalo, correct? Uh, in Miami. The game's in Miami, right? I keep thinking it's in Buffalo. So, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see. You know, I saw something uh, about the Bills at home against uh, against. Uh, against the spread in night games and it's not a pretty stat. So that's that's what worries me about that 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 game, but when you put the beef behind it of we got to make the playoffs and we're at home, you know, there's a reason why records are not necessarily exclusive as if this stat is not a uh, 0 and 105. They've they have covered a couple times and this is those times where the lesser percentage side I think I think could uh could play an effect. So, I don't hate it. I don't love it, Brandon, but I don't hate it. I'll tell you that. But two and a half is probably safer than than three. So I, I think uh that that's that's a smart play. So take it yeah, early. If it folks. was at if it was at three, I don't know if I'd be as excited about it. No, that that's that's uh I I feel that. My last pick, our last pick of the NFL weekend. I'm going with the Falcons plus three against the New Orleans Saints. The Falcons Kind of blew it last week. Didn't look good at all. Kind of just, honestly, just kind of looked like they gave up more or less. But this is an analytical pick for me, Brandon. This is the statistical pick for me. We're getting analytical. We're getting statistical on this show. Dennis Allen, after a straight-up win, is 4-16 and against the spread. So... He just doesn't know how to like put together and string together wins, and it's the worst record of any head coach after a straight up win. So you know this one, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the same. We've talked about it before. The Saints are not that good; they're just not a good team. And I think Desmond Ritter is a Jordan Love type player in terms of his inconsistencies and that he doesn't really put it all together every single week, but then he's able to. I think Bijan Robinson in the second half of the season has turned into that too. Final week of the season, kind of playing spoiler a little bit, are the Falcons uh, to the Saints because the Saints still have a chance of sneaking their way in the playoffs. I think the Falcons cover the three points. I like the three. Uh, I think they potentially could win that game, but Falcons plus three. So if Heineke gets a start instead of Ritter, does that change your feeling at all? No, if anything, I like Heineke better. <laughs> I love it. I like it with Ritter, love it with Heineke. I, Heineke, and the reason for this is purely fantasy football. I picked up Taylor Heineke in an injury-ridden season, and I had to pick up Taylor. He was still on Washington football team, I believe, at the time. And, man, he balled out. He came in and balled out, and that's, I think, where he put he got his name on the map, and I had him as QB1 for my fantasy team. And since then, I'm riding the Taylor Heineke train. And I think that's a pretty fun little – that's a Geno Smith-Drew Locke situation there. You know, you're going to get the same regardless of who you put out there, in my opinion. So I've had a kind of a controversial build year in one of my fantasy leagues. Um, one of the first instances was leading up to the playoffs. I think there was – three of us kind of vying for a spot 
Um, two of us needed to win and we needed that third person to lose. And she happened to be playing her husband that week that we needed her to lose. He didn't set a lineup and started a quarterback. I think he started Kenny Pickett at the time who was out and then a couple other players who was out. So a little bit fishy. Hey, you're playing your wife. If she wins, she's in. All of a sudden, you're starting three guys that aren't even playing. <laughs> we we dug into it. We confirmed that you know, he's been out. I think he won like three games total. So he had not been paying attention for a few weeks. And so, you know, mainly kind of on the commissioner to kind of send that reminder text of like, hey, just because you're out of it, some of these games matter. So right. that one settled. No hard feelings. Didn't seem intentional. And so with this same league now, um, first time commissioner, I should I should make that clear too. So, you know, I think the guy's kind of figuring out. But he, uh, the last this is the last week of the championship. So not only are we playing in week 18, which, you know, generally fantasy leagues kind of stay away from because you get a lot of teams that might be resting guys, this and that. So not only are we playing in week 18, but it's also two weeks per round for the fantasy playoffs. So now the commissioners in the championship is winning. And I think he has five or six guys, including Purdy. Tyron Williams, uh, I think it's Debo, and some other guys who aren't playing because the team's arresting him. Uh-huh. And so I think him and the guy that he's in the championship kind of worked it out and said, hey, this is, you know, if you've played fantasy football before, you kind of get it and you know, like, yeah, we shouldn't be playing in week 18 because of this reason. So I think they're, I think they ultimately might split the pot or something. I don't really know. It's on them. We all, you know, those of us who aren't in the championship game kind of like just step back. So that's on you guys to figure out we're out of it. You know, commissioner, you're in the championship, but you're also the one that set up this kind of interesting, you know, interesting rules as far as the playoffs go. Uh, but yeah, so just want to kind of add that quick little note of um, this fantasy football season kind of had some juice to it. I ain't going to lie. I just, I, it's, it's just kind of surprising to me that we still have first time commissioners out there. Like, are just, are we, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, have we, have, I thought we, I thought we've gotten past that at this point. Yeah. And I agree. It was a league that we kind of put together last minute. Sure. Um, a lot of us have been in leagues together before and for various reasons, you know, kind of some people in, some people out year to year. And so we finally got a group together that's like, all right, let's, you know, kind of ride this out like you do. But yeah, I agree. Cause it's like the majority of my other leagues, it's like I've been in them for, you know, five years at the minimum you know i still got some leagues going with some high school buddies to where it's the same commissioner and you kind of vote on some different tweaks here and there in the off season but uh but yeah it's been kind of interesting to watch because he had to send out um a text of how upset he was about it and it's like well buddy unfortunately you were the one who created this <laughs> and believe it or not yet yeah, no one just instantly scrolled down to the playoff rules to figure out when the championship weekend is happening so Little, kind of an interesting little tidbit for you. Yeah, that is, um, you don't hear those every day. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I don't know if I like it. That's where I'm glad I'm not involved in it. Yeah, no kidding. It's one of those things where just, we'll just let you two figure it out and away you go. Well, we hope we wish everyone luck if you're telling us for the weekend picks. Should be an exciting weekend nonetheless. So, six games to choose from. We have the, 
Titans, Jags under 41. We have the Bears, Packers over 45 and a half. We have the Bills minus two and a half. We have the Texans minus one. We have the Detroit Lions minus three. And we have the Falcons plus three against the Saints. So exciting weekend. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll do all right there. Quick adjustment on that. I'm showing the Packers, Bears at 45. And I'd like the 45. I think that hook could come into play. Okay, so 45, excuse me, on that. And then 41 and a half, or is it 41 for the Titans and Jags? On the Titans, Jags. That one's 41 and a half. So that okay. one does have the hook. So Titans, Jags, 41 and a half. I mixed them up. Titans, Jags, 41 and a half. And Bears, Packers, over 45. So possible push there. Got to love it. Next one, we're going to go to our final picks of the entire weekend. We'll go to our... Most exciting game of the week, uh, most anticipated game of the week, the national championship. Last year, we had a stinker with Georgia just smashing TCU from the get-go, winning their back-to-back championship, and now we don't have Georgia, we don't have Alabama, we don't have uh, Texas, we don't have a lot of big, bigger schools in there, but we do have the big dogs in Michigan, and then we do have the big-ish dogs in Washington, uh, try, you know, try, trying to play upset here as the underdog going into this game. So uh, we both have a pick for this game. I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go with old trusty. Now, I don't feel good about it. I don't this time around. I don't feel good about old trusty, but I'm going with the under 56 on the total. Uh, you know, my, my, my train of thought has been Brandon knows this very well. He's followed me, uh, you know, for a while now with this trend and in winter, go home situations, do or die game sevens. I like the unders and they don't always hit, but percentage wise, they do hit pretty darn well. I don't like this one because if the offenses go on and do their thing and Blake Corm's running all over, JJ's hitting his targets, and Michael Penix is just a laser, I, I, you know, I'm I'm concerned that that won't look good. But typically, what you see in these do or die games and these winner go home games is tightness, butterflies you know, just kind of feeling the moment. And with both of these teams in their first national championships. You know, in 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 a handful of years, definitely for every one of these players out there, I think there's going to be some butterflies. I think there's going to be some some tightness out there when the game starts, and it might take a little bit, but for the flow to get in. Now that still could hurt if they start throwing a bunch of touchdowns towards the end, and uh, you know, ended up catching up to 56. But I'm going to stick with old trusty. I'm going to stick with my philosophy, and I'm going to ride the under 56 for the college national championship. I don't hate it. Um, I think if Michigan wants to win that game, they can't get into a shootout. So I think that defense is going to be, you know, a big part of the, of the game plan and making sure that they can, you know, contain Penix. I think it's one of those things where you're never truly going to shut that guy down. Um, But it's going to be more about containing him. So, yeah, I think if, if Michigan wants to win that game, I think the under's the play. Um, I think J.J. can make the plays that he needs to. I think he's proven that over and over and over and over again, whether it's against Ohio State, whether it's against Bama. And, you know, one thing, I don't know if the clip's getting a lot of love. When Donovan Edwards did that halfback pass back to J.J. and he snagged it with one hand 
does a 180 and then drops a dime rolling the wrong way. I mean, that that play was incredible. That was unreal. And so the guy's a gamer. I know that he doesn't light it up like Penix. He doesn't have the arm talent. I think that's clear. But JJ's, you know, he's mobile. He's dangerous with his feet. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think if that game, you know, which again, Michigan being the favorite, you think they're going to try to control that game a little bit. And if they if it goes the way Michigan wants it to, I don't think it's a shootout. Quick sidebar, Nikola Jokic just hit an almost half-court buzzer beater to beat the Warriors by three points with 3.6 seconds left in the game. So uh, Nikola Jokic doing what Nikola Jokic does as the best player in the NBA. So just a quick sidebar there, uh, Nuggets. And Golden State covered the four points, so we got a win-win there. As we're on that, we'll go back to the National Championship. Brandon, how, how did the play look? You win, you lose? Sorry. Go to the Nuggets. To the Nuggets. I'm still game. focused on watching the replay of it. Um, so I had the Nuggets money line live, so that's good. The MPJ threes did not pan out for us. Did not. Okay. Uh, so no, not really. Love to see the energy from Jokic after making that shot. That energy is what you just don't see from him. And just swapping a Steph Curry shot in the house that Steph Curry built yes. is probably the the best thing that I've seen so far today maybe even in this nba season incredible incredible i'm i'm just watching it on re, like i just have it on loop right now that guy's incredible man <laughs> let's just go on a quick little yoke rant to have that be the guy who takes it when you have a jamal murray mpj that's just incredible dude this guy he's the best basketball player in the world i don't want to hear anything else about it this is insane it's unbelievable. I mean, what this guy does on a day-in, day-out basis, Nikola Jokic is incredible. And they were down 16 points, I believe, in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, they were down 16 points, and Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic just drains the buzzer beater and just, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, the replays on it are incredible. The replays are just unbelievable. But, I mean, he is the greatest player in the world. He's the greatest player in the world. I don't care what people have to say. He's absolutely incredible. Nikola Jokic is just I could watch him all day, and I just love I love everything about him. I mean, I, we could talk about him all day. Uh, they inbound, they inbounded the ball to him. In that, it wasn't like he just. It wasn't like the ball came to him in a loose ball situation. Ag inbounded it to him, and he just dribbled to his right, got past the half court line, and bang! Thanks for coming, Warriors. I so. Okay, I'm sorry. So I was watching that, and I didn't even hear your pick, Brandon. I heard your explanation. What is your pick? For the national well, I championship, I haven't necessarily made it yet. I oh, you didn't. So I didn't miss it. Underpick. Okay, nope, you haven't missed it yet. All right, go ahead. Seventy-five percent of this reasoning for this pick is because I do think it's the play. Maybe it's more seventy-thirty split, but the thirty percent is more of a troll job because I'm not a good gambler, and so I'm going to take the Huskies four and a half. Okay, because I think that gives Michigan a better chance to win because I'm that bad of a gambler. So, like I said, 70% of it is because I think this game is close. The one thing I kind of worry about is maybe a backdoor Blake Corum touchdown run at the end of the game kind of breaks off sure. like a 45-yarder or something. So that's the one piece that makes me a little bit nervous about it. Uh, but I, I, think, I think Washington, too, they're really good. They are. I mean... It's going to be something. And again, I think if 
Michigan has this game go the way they want it to. It's going to be lower scoring. It's going to be close. Um, and yeah, I think I think Washington hangs that four and a half. Um, and again, a little bit of a troll job because I want Michigan to win. So we'll take the dogs four and a half. I think both picks are are you know I I, I don't I don't think they're it's hard in the national championship because you got one number one versus number two. You got two very good teams. You got one really strong strong offensive team, and then you have a really really strong strong defensive team on the other side of the ball. So it's 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 really tough to make these picks. I think I don't see how it's not a field goal game, to be honest. I mean, just with how these right. teams play. So I think four and a half is is a great number for for betters if you want if you're looking at an underdog because you know with with how these two teams play, I I totally imagine it coming down with all the superstars on both sides, Panic, McCarthy, Odunze, Corum, all these superstars, it's gonna come down to the damn kickers. It always does. And college kickers are a trip. And actually, I'd like to throw in another backdoor option. Uh, Washington down two, muffing a punt. Michigan scoring a touchdown with like a minute and a half left to win. Those are some That's oddly specific option. ways of things happening. So, you know, if they do, props to you for calling them out. But shoot, man, I, I think... I like the four and a half uh, because of I just don't see it. I see a game winning field goal. I just feel like that's how it's going to end. And um, you know, I or or yeah, a team's down like a team's up by four or five, and and the the losing team's trying to go for a a last last uh, second drive for a touchdown. They have to score six, um, you know, and then they don't get it if it's at a four, five, six range. Now four, you're okay, and four is a good number as well when you're talking about trading touchdowns if you have a field goal in there because four is actually a nice number as well so you know having four and a half and having that four to work with as well not only the three i think that's kind of nice so washington plus four and a half under 56 you got to play on both the spread and the total uh you know personally i'm i'm dabbling in the washington money line because it's plus money it's not it's a good value there uh, i don't i don't see any reason why they don't have as much of a chance to win the game as michigan does so why not take the value and and take the plus money uh for the washington so i'll dabble a little bit on that as well and and that's kind of how i see that so again exciting game can't wait for it i just uh I'm excited for it. So we have a wager. We decided a wager, as we talked about on the last episode, uh, the wager between me and Brandon, as I am a, a a longtime Husky follower fan, and Brandon's a Michigan follower supporter. And so we have a little uh, friendly wager as as we've gotten the the privilege to have both our teams go up against each other, which is, this has happened before in, in uh, sports history to, to Brandon and I, as we talked about last episode. But Brandon, uh, you were the one that came up with the wager. Uh, I, I love it 100%. What you got? So, and we'll we'll ride with our teams, obviously, and this is going to be just straight up, no spread. Um, Brav and I both agreed that, you know, four and a half was kind of small enough. And again, I, th- I think we both agree that um, that might even get a little bit lower. So we're just going straight up here. I did offer the four and a half to Praveen. Like a gentleman, he turned it down. Um, so the loser... If Washington loses, Praveen will have to make a haiku, which is a format of a poem. I will have to do some Googling to make sure I understand the format of a haiku. I do remember that it has to do with syllables. 
um, you know, in regards to each line of the poem. I think it's only three lines. Again, we'll double check this and get this all dialed in. Um, so if Washington loses, Ravine will have to write a haiku about Michigan. And if Michigan loses, I will have to write a haiku about Washington. Um, the kicker is it doesn't necessarily have to be completely complimentary. I think we're both, you know, good sportsmanship to where we'll probably lean that route, but it doesn't have to be that route. So if, you know, depending on how the game goes, if we want to dig, you know, either school in the haiku, we can, but ultimately a haiku is on the line. So after the national championship, our next podcast that we release, one of us will be performing a haiku. And it will be posted on social media as well. So for the, for the, for the world to see. So a haiku poem, I remember writing one in school back in the day uh, we will lock it in, but I believe yet yeah, you're right. It's a three. It's a three-line poem, and I believe the syllables are five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, and then five in the third. Or it might be three, five, three. But I remember it's a. It's one and three are the same. Two is a little longer. So uh, we'll we'll dial it in and make sure we have a haiku ready to go. And like Brandon said, it doesn't have to be necessarily a positive one to that to that winning team. But the loser has to write the poem about. The winning team. So, and it's a quick turnaround. I mean, I will probably be uh, recording a show on Tuesday night, out Wednesday, and so that's you know that's a quick twenty four hours to write a write a haiku poem. I'm excited. It's creative, Brandon. I'm excited too. I'm excited too. I think the challenge is going to be both teams as far as the you know mascot and the state. Like both of them already have a lot of syllables, so I think it's going to be something where we're going to have to get creative. That's like, so true. Washington, that's already three right there. So that your first line, that's already more than half your your sentence. Or it so could be the whole we'll line. Get a load of creative. If it's a 3-5-3, three, three, could be a whole line. That's true. So it, it'll and be Michigan. creative. But Michigan, three as well. So yeah. Woof. Wolverines, that's three. So Huskies is two. Yeah, we're going to have to get creative here. It'll be, fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. All right. Well, looking forward to an exciting weekend. As always, this is a good, this is a fun time of sports. Now we are losing college football with it being the last game of the year. Going to miss that. Uh, means baseball is right around the corner. But the one thing I want to mention about the, the college football thing is, is was it Blaine Gabbert that was like 26 years old and got drafted? Was he, was that him? No, it was, uh, it was a guy from Oklahoma State. Uh, Wood. Oh, Brandon, Brandon Whedon. Whedon. Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon. All right. So we that was like an anomaly back in the day, and I saw something, and 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 ironically enough, it's from Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's quarterback, Bowman, I believe his last name is, got granted his seventh year of eligibility in college. He's going to be twenty four years year, twenty four years old next season. I already forgot the Georgia quarterback's name that was there, Stetson Bennett, who was there for God knows how long, you know, and that's the funny thing about last year's championship is he's 25 years old, beating up on a bunch of 18, 19 year olds. So it's like, you know, how does that, how does that work? But now you're going to run into this a lot, especially with the 2020 COVID year. You see it in college basketball, uh, you know, a lot of guys returning using that last year of eligibility to get their chance to win. But you know, seventh year of eligibility 
and a little too much. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's hard to keep up. I know the COVID years, you know, they add a little bit to it, but at this point, it's hard to keep up with who's necessarily eligible still and not because you have your red shirt, and I guess at this point now the transfer portal, you know, doesn't necessarily punish any eligibility. Um, but yeah, depending on how many games you play, that you know can affect your eligibility. So it's just it's crazy. But yeah, seven years, man, like. Dude, and I, I mean, if you're him, why not take it, right? Why not get one more year of playing college football? Because that, that's a guy that's not necessarily going to go pro. And, you know, that maybe he finds some, you know, Canadian football or XFL or whatever. You know, at this point, there's a lot of different options. But, um, yeah, why not take advantage of it? Play one more year of ball. But, yeah, seven years, dude, that's, that's crazy long. I mean, at that point, is he even in school anymore? Like, what is he just... Is he just working and then going to practice? That's what I, I don't feel know. Like that and it's, it's college culture, student athlete thing is just kind of going out the window more and more. There's no more student athlete anymore. It's just and athlete. That's, that's what I was going to say, too, because how does that, I think that might be a little bit of a challenge year in and year out of, okay, now you have a 24 year old, you know, in a locker room with some 19 and 20 year olds. And if you've been through those ages, you can kind of understand a little bit of like, you know, 24, 20 year olds start to annoy you a little bit. And, you know, is that something where he's looked at as a leader, obviously being the quarterback position helps. Does he went over the locker room of, Hey, I've been here, done that. Follow me. Or is it looked at as like, dude, you're 24. Like you're still here. I don't want to hear it. I don't know. But yeah, I was going to mention that same thing. It's like, I don't know what that, that culture or that locker room is like when you have these players that've been around for so long. And again, it's a guy that's played for multiple teams. He was at Michigan for a little bit of a stint. And so it's just something that, you know, I think is a little bit of a challenge to where I'm sure there's some small advantages to it, but in a college locker room, I don't know if that's necessarily a complete advantage, but yeah, I don't know too much. I don't want to say, you know, you ever have to draw the line on it. Again, if a guy's is if a guy's eligible to play and can play, more power to you. But it's it's strange, that's for sure. Yeah, to say the least, it's just it's just uh it's odd. And I just don't know how to how to how to feel about the whole thing. So it's and you're seeing it more and more. You're just seeing it more and more. And and again, you know, maybe and I'll and I'll play devil's advocate here, and it's love of the game. You know, a lot of these guys aren't going pro, and maybe they just want to take advantage of that last chance, and maybe they will get a shot. Now that you have the NIL situation happening, now that you have a 12-team college football playoff happening next season, Oklahoma State could very well be a team to make it if they have a good season. They could very well sneak in and and make it out of out of those top 12 teams. I mean that we've seen him have good years before and so i don't i don't see why not uh you know to in that in that aspect and that looking at it these guys love the game they want to play they love the guys well, the one thing that guys will say when they leave the game is i just miss the guys and so you know that could be part of it too that the age difference is is, is something to take in take in into consideration but and then i wonder how many other teammates are, does he have that are in similar situations and going into their fifth year or sixth year uh, as well. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it just definitely caught my eye. Seventh year of eligibility in college football is just uh, it's crazy to hear. But good luck to him. Good luck to the, the to the Cowboys. And, you know, we'll see what happens and see if it pays out for him. At the very least, he's going to get another quality year with his teammates and, and, you know, build that brotherhood even stronger. So good for him. But um, we're going to wrap up the show here. 
with a quick MLB free agency, I was going through it today, Brandon, and there's like so many players that are still available in the free agency. Uh, the names of 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 Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell and Aaron Nola and and some of these guys are just available now. You're having some big things happening outside of the Shohei Otani deal uh, with with Chris Chris Sale going to the Braves. Uh, Harrison Bader going to the Mets. Uh, you know, Jack Flaherty, not a big name, but a decent pitcher. He's going to the Tigers. Uh, some some of those smaller yet, you know, important ones. Uh, uh, Giants landed another, not the Giants, the Padres landed another, I believe, Korean uh, pitcher. So the Padres making moves, trying, trying to stack up their pitching. Tyler O'Neill to the Boston Red Sox. Some of those moves there, but... Out of the free agents that are available, and maybe there's some of the ones I mentioned in terms of Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell and Aaron Nola, are there any that stand out to you that they're still available, or is it just that's the way how baseball works and you're not surprised by any of this? Yeah, I don't know if it necessarily surprised me because I feel like last year, even into middle of February, we were in kind of a similar situation where there are a lot of guys out there and it's interesting too. If it was like a hard cap league, it maybe make a little bit more sense. Um, uh, but that's always kind of the confusing part about baseball is why it takes these free agents so long to sign us because these teams can just go spend whatever money they want. Now, that's not necessarily every team, just because you know budgets and markets are different. But now, I, I don't know if it necessarily surprises me. Um, maybe the Dodgers are you know just trying to figure out how they can just sign everybody. So maybe that's why it's taking so long. All these guys are just waiting for the Dodgers to give them a call. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's something that um, is necessarily out of the ordinary. I think as years come and go, I think we're going to see this more and more. Um, it is interesting, though, because I don't, I don't know if waiting really helps the players. So... That's something where, and who knows? Who knows how many offers or how many talks these guys have been having? Um, but if I was a player, I think you know getting signed earlier would be better than later, just because you have a little bit of leverage at that point. If it's February rolls around, I mean, I think the team has more of the leverage at that point. So we'll see. Um, I'm kind of just more interested on in seeing where these guys will go. That's always. I mean, fun again, part. you mentioned there's. Yeah, because you mentioned there's some pretty big names to where they can, you know, they can make a real difference within a franchise. So, um, and, you know, to the point of it's surprising that they're out there, that's something that I could see. But, um, yeah, I'm just kind of more interested on when and where these guys will end up falling. I'm going to walk through kind of positions here. I'm going to name maybe three or four players that are free agents right now. And I just want you to kind of tell me who you think the best one out of those four players or three or four players are that are still available free agents. So uh, starting pitchers, we have Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman, Clayton Clayton Kershaw, still a free agent actually, hasn't been signed yet. Out of those four, who's kind of the one that stands out as the best pitcher available? I think I'd rather have Blake Snell. I think that guy's, I think he's still got some left in the tank. I know the last couple of years haven't been maybe what they expected after he left Tampa Bay, uh, but I think that guy still got it. And just a quick, I didn't know Kershaw was a free agent. This is updated this morning, January 4th, and he is on this list as a, as a free agent. So Rockies, just saying. 
Yeah, yeah, because he does so well at Coors Field. <laughs> Can't be any worse than his playoffs. So you know, sorry, Clayton. Patchers, Gary Sanchez, Jacob Stallings, Yasmani Grandal, Austin Nola. I think Grandal. He's a stud. The most intriguing. Yeah, Gary. I don't think Gary Sanchez is any good. <laughs> Um, the four letter network has him as the number one free agent catcher. I do not agree with that. Yeah, that's a take. Uh, yeah, I think Grand Dog gets, gets me the most excited about that that grouping. This is a pretty big list here, uh, in terms of those names. We're talking about first baseman slash DH, Reese Hoskins, JD Martinez, Jorge Soler, Justin Turner. Jock Peterson, just to name a few. Who's who's the best one there? Was Mark Reynolds not on that list? <laughs> CJ Crone is. <laughs> CJ Crone's on it. Good for CJ. All right. <laughs> remember, remember when CJ Crone was kind of in like this NL MVP conversation, like in the first two months of the season. Remember when we saw him hit what, like five hundred and three feet? We saw. Sean Carlo hit 504. I mean, Coors Field, man. There's no place like it, folks. No, if you just want to go watch baseball, Coors Field, it's hard to beat. <laughs> Not only with the venue, but yeah, the, the altitude provides some highlights. Um, Joey Votto is also on this list. Oh, God. He's so bad. Uh, I think I'm going to lean Turner as a guy that can kind of come in as a veteran presence, been in big moments. I don't think he's something that, you know, his regular season stats would jump off the books at you, and that's not a reason you sign him. That's a reason the Rockies would sign him. Um, but for winning franchises, I, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him. I like that one. I like that one. The one that one that sticks out to me is is uh, is J.D. Martinez. I just feel like he's been good everywhere. And, like, if you get him, he's an automatic bucket in terms of baseball, you know? Like, he's... You can rely on him. He's Mr. Reliable. He can he can hit it out the park. He can hit for average. He can drive runs in. He can play decent defensively if you need him to. So I like that. All right. Uh, second base slash shortstop. Okay, so we're combining a couple here. We're going to go with uh, Whit Merrifield, Ahmad Rosario, Jackie Robinson. I mean, Tim Anderson, Adam Frazier, Kike Hernandez. Brandon Crawford's also on this list, but he's old. He is old. And he, oh man, I'm a huge Tim Anderson guy. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I do know why. why. I, I was. I do I don't know, know why. why the Jackie Robinson thing turned me off, but I, I do like him as a player. He's exciting to watch. I, I, I do enjoy Tim Anderson. He had a rough year last season, didn't hit his first home run till like August, maybe July. He was struggling last year, as did the entire. White Sox franchise, but as a comeback year, potentially could be could be a huge addition to a team. Okay, so give me, and this is a tough question to ask off the top of the head. Can you just like throw out a team that you could see making a run at Tim Anderson? And I'll tell you if I like it or not, solely based on how good I think he'd look in that uniform. First one that I don't know why it popped into my head, uh, Padres. He looks okay. Yep, I'm going Tim Anderson because he looks <laughs> sick in those units. I like this. I don't know if they're going to 
I'm assuming they'll stick with the same city edition ones because they've been doing that for a couple of years. Yeah. He'd look so good in that. I like the Buffalo Wild Wings vibe uniforms. I know a lot of people don't. He'd look awesome in those. I'm going Tim Anderson. <laughs> I, like I don't know why. And then the second team that popped into my head was the Yankees, but I don't I don't see him fitting in with the Yankees. He maybe like an Alfonso Soriano type, because I loved Alfonso Soriano and he looked good in a Yankees uniform. But you know, did, Yeah, did Anderson would look good in the Yankees. Yeah. He yeah. looked good in any No, I think I think Anderson again, you said he had you know, he had a down year. I think that guy's I think he's quality, man. I mean, he's had some big, big plays throughout his career. I think he's, I think he's still got it. I could be wrong, but I think he's still there. He's still young. I mean, one bad year in 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 the middle of your prime years is is not going to necessarily define you. As long as you come and back and Sox, fix it. Yeah, and the White Sox had such a letdown of a year or two. I mean, they were hyped up for everything. I mean, that team underperformed as a whole so we, we haven't dove into the white Sox front office but they are arguably in contention with the rockies as the worst franchise in baseball they, they the white Sox are bad you know at least we can at least the rockies can fill their stadium you know i'll say that much you know at least at least i know they're sharing a a a, a, a city with the cubbies but uh, still the white Sox are terrible third baseman matt chapman geo urshela brian anderson Mustakis, Moose, Mike Mustakis. Not the greatest options there. No, because I'm, I'm really not high on Moose. That guy's. I don't know I think why. I got to lean. I think I got to lean Chapman. That's that's what I'm feeling. Chapman can't hit, but he can play defense, and but he he can't hit, man. I mean, I just he's he's not good offensively. He's low two hundreds. Not even a, a a power hitter in terms of finding like Mike Mun Mike Muncy no Max Muncy trying to hit uh you know he hits one ninety and still bombs thirty bombs I mean I don't I don't see Chapman being that guy but defensively he is he is a stud yeah I think that's a guy you put in your seven hole and hopefully your lineup's good enough <laughs> it's a great way to put it uh outfielders to to wrap it up here and we we got we got a list here so I might give some more names. Here, but we got Cody Bellinger, Tay Oscar Hernandez, Tommy Pham, fantasy legend, Michael A. Taylor, Adam Duvall, Joey Gallo. Uh, yeah, that's David Peralta. I think I like David Peralta. How do you not go Bellinger? Yeah, yeah right, right. I mean, out of those names, Michael A. Taylor had a good year. He's great defensively. He he had a breakout offensive year. I think he he would be serviceable if he if he repeats that again offensively. Gallo's a strikeout machine. Duvall is is okay. Teoscar, I mean, I don't know. He had a great year with Seattle, but I don't think it was as good as it should have been in my opinion. I mean, he's he's got a better bat than that. Yeah, I mean, Cody Bellinger revived himself in Chicago. He's still dangerous. I still get terrified when he's up at the plate, and if I'm not rooting for him. Right. No, agreed. And that's where it's like, like, again, I think that's another guy that's been in enough big moments to where, you know, if we're kind of selecting these guys on based on who you think could help help your franchise kind of take that next step. I don't know how he's not the pick. I forgot one. We didn't do relief pitchers, so we'll do that real quick to wrap this up. Relief pitchers. We got Josh Hader, Jordan Hicks, the hard throwing righty, Robert Stevenson and. 
everyone's mom's favorite, Aroldis Chapman. I can't believe that guy's still a, a topic. He's, he's throwing strikes. He's just throw, throw the pipe. Go right down the pipe, baby. He's such a liability. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Now, the hater one's intriguing because in Milwaukee, that guy was lights out. He was terrifying. And with the Padres, he never really got it going. He had a good season last season, but the team had such higher expectations. It kind of went under the radar. But he had a Milwaukee-type season last year with the Padres, but it just didn't stand out because the team didn't perform. And he didn't get those kinds of opportunities because of how the team was performing. But, yeah. I, I hater is an intriguing one, and he's and he's still got some danger in him. I just don't know how much. I like Jordan Hicks. I don't know what it is about the crazy, outlandish, right-handed throwing one hundred four, and then a slider that just I I mean I don't when when he can place it. I mean it's just that's that's a guy you want out there as a closer. It's just gonna scare the offense, and and I I I like Hicks. I he's had a good good career thus far. Josh Hader, you know, lefties are fun. Chapman, lefties are fun. But I, I think, think I think with Hader, I think that's someone that you might be halfway through the year, like, man, we kind of reached. I think he's going to be too expensive. That's the guy that, that's yeah, that's thing. what I'm saying. I think he's going to command a lot of money still, and you hope it kind of pans out. And I don't know if it would. Because I don't see... You know, Jordan Hicks costing that much. I think Chapman and Hayter are going to cost a lot of money. And that might be what hold him, holds them up. But a Jordan Hicks might be able to find a deal, uh, a little value deal there. So baseball season's right around the corner. Next month, we're going to have games. End of February, we got games happening. And you got spring training. And then, boom, you got opening day. Excited for that. My fiance's never been to opening day. And then that will be... Uh, you know, an opening day that we get to go to is a gift on Christmas, and get to take her to to the first to her first opening day. And uh, you know, Rocky's opening day it's the best one of the year. But baseball is coming up, and definitely looking forward to another exciting season of baseball. Can't wait. Who do the Rockies have opening day with? Tampa Bay Rays. All right, that's not that's not terrible. I feel like the last few years it's always been. And I'm going to say this, and I'm sure it's only been like twice out of the last five years, but at least the ones that we've gone to, it's always the Dodgers. And it's so, it's just, it's just so disheartening. We saw the Braves that one year was freezing. That was the Braves. Um, Padres occasionally. Yeah, definitely the Dodgers a ton. I don't remember really ever seeing the Diamond, I mean, I'm sorry, the Giants really on opening day, which would kind of be a fun one on opening day to see the Giants. But. Yeah, we got Tampa Bay Rays, the Wando Franco-less Tampa Bay Rays. They finally got him, so we took him. Finally got him. But finally DR got him. DR did their thing. They got him. You know, if this was 20 years ago, this would be so much of a bigger story than it's being talked about because this is crazy. I mean, people don't understand how good he is at baseball and how much talent he has, and for him to go and throw it all away. He had it made. You made it, bro. You made it to the league. And then to throw it all away for the crap he's doing. I mean, just uh, what a what a fall. What a fall for Wander Franco. And, dude, he's like 21 years old. He's 20 years old. Like, he's a kid. So, regardless. Yeah, he had 15 years. Yeah, he had 15 years to go. Just crazy. Dominant, high-paid baseball. Face of the league almost. You know, like a potential Ronald Acuna type, type kind of face. And, and throws it all away. 
uh, and I don't see how he comes that comes back from this one. But yeah, he will not be there on opening day in Denver, Colorado, come April. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it should be a good time. But baseball season right around the corner. Uh, you know, I'm gonna put you on the spot here as the final final thing of the show today, Brandon. Uh, bold bold pick of the season. Who's your who's who's winning the World Series that shouldn't? That shouldn't. That people will be like, really? So basically, anyone but the Dodgers. Can Correct. I just take the field? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. The field. How? I mean, how likely is it the Dodgers are going to win the World Series? I don't know. I don't know. And I'd love to see an eighty-one and eighty-one team uh, beat them in, in in a divisional series, uh, just because you know, because just because they can, because it is hard for anyone to hit a baseball, and that's why they're the pros. So. Yeah, I like the field. I'll take the field as well. I'll take, I'll take as man. See, does the Braves even feel like that's a a team that shouldn't? Because again, the Dodgers crazy? are such heavy favorites. So again, the field feels decent. Um, I'm gonna go with I've, the Chicago Cubs. I've I've fallen short on these guys a few times, so I'm gonna ride with them again. I'm gonna go the Blue Jays. All right, so the Chicago six, Cubs. the six is bringing one home. Chicago Cubs versus the Toronto Blue Jays in the 2024 World Series. You can book it. You might as well book it. It's guaranteed money. I'll tell you that much. So, um, And you'll be winning a lot if that happens. I'll tell you what. You would win a lot. <laughs> All righty. Well, good luck this weekend, Brandon, on your picks. Uh, good luck on Monday. We'll be watching it Go together. Uh, be a big game and uh, looking forward to that. But uh, always a pleasure, and we'll catch you on the next one. Shout out Chris Bryant. It's his birthday.